The latest series on In the Field with Gould's Water Technology called Small Business Toolbox provides groundwater pros like you with info and resources to help you run your business more effectively. This episode was recorded with Jeff Williams of Vermont-based Spafford & Sons Water Wells in Wisconsin Dells while he was touring the country giving presentations to various NGWA chapters on financial literacy. We dove into topics ranging from an overview of asset management to succession planning. Enjoy the show. On to the next topic. We're going to dive into this topic of asset management. And I'm here with small business finance expert Jeff Williams. He's a VP of Spafford and Sons. Um, and this is a particularly important topic to the well drilling industry when so much of the ability to be successful in this business is contingent upon the quality of the equipment, the life cycle of the equipment, and the products that you use. So I'm sure our listeners understand what we mean by hard assets in this business, but you know, just for review's sake, can you just give us some examples, please? Yeah, hard assets or really any of your rolling stock that's depreciable. And a number of the items that you may write off in one year uh, but are still a fairly big ticket item. You may have a several thousand dollar generator that you go out and you have a job and you pay for it in that year. That's still part of your assets, right? Um, okay. So it doesn't have to always be a, a, a multi-year depreciable asset. It could be a one-year write-off asset too. But anything of any consequence really is what I, I put into that group. Okay. And, and so then what do you think is the first step when you're looking to improve the way you manage your assets as a contractor? What, what's a good first step? I'd say the first thing you got to do is look at how efficiently you're running. You have to look at the matrix of downtime, repairs and maintenance versus value and revenue. You know, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good comparison. It's one that I have done over the years. But you really have to sit down every year and you have to evaluate your assets. And you have a list and you look at that list and you add and subtract from that list. But at the end of the day, you have to have, and I use a conservative number when I evaluate the assets. It's always worth more when I want to sell it than when I want to buy it. We got to keep that in mind, right? (laughs) What are the value of these assets? Well, the value of these assets are what somebody will pay for them. So don't fool yourself into thinking that you're richer than you are. You got to make sure that you evaluate that and it's an appropriate number. So then you can look forward down the road and determine a schedule of replacement of those assets based on their usable life and their salvage value at the end of a cycle. And it doesn't have to be just a depreciation cycle, it can be the life cycle. So okay. just a question, just, just to help clarify exactly what you would say an asset is. So probably your well rig is probably your biggest asset and that's probably what we'll spend some time talking about a little bit more on how they can get the best value out of that. Is that correct? Yes. Pump trucks as well. Like if you can maybe yeah. rattle off some examples of some of the bigger assets that you look at in your company, I guess. You know, certainly, certainly rigs, directional boring equipment, uh, pump trucks, water trucks, uh, any service trucks really. Uh, you know, we run a lot of F-250s or or uh, 3500s and 2500s or you know whoever making whoever's making model they are um, you know all of those rolling assets um, you know are part of that schedule right okay 
So that's a schedule of assets. You also touched on usable life or depreciation, and there's a process for, for putting that together, depreciation schedule. Can you um, tell us a little bit more about how to kind of go about putting one of those together? Well, there's a couple different IRS depreciation schedules. One is a maker's, and that's a five-year depreciation schedule where you recover 50% of the value of the asset roughly over the first two years, and then you depreciate the balance over the next three. Uh, they offer also in our industry a six-year six straight-line depreciation uh, so that depending on the length of the loan that you have against a vehicle, what your liability is, whether it's a drilling rig or a pickup or whatever it is, um, I try to really closely match the payment schedules and length of and length of time that I repay that loan back on the depreciable life um, of the asset. We go to uh, lifespan, usable life of the asset. You know, a drilling rig, we have rigs in the industry that are 40, 50 years old out there still running today. So wow. they were depreciated 30, 40, 50 years ago, fully <laughs> depreciated. So they've been running a fully depreciated asset since then. So you also look at how long is this asset viable to me, right? So if I've got a drill and I want to run the front half of this drill out, I want, to, I want the new usable life. I want the first half of it. I want the five, six, seven, eight years out of this new piece of equipment, and then I'm going to trade it in for another one. Or maybe I go 10 years. Maybe I get close to a rebuild cycle. So, you know, I, I kind of look at a, te- I look at a 10-year replacement plan. Okay. I really need to look at 10 years, because if I've got a, a one-ton truck, and over 10 years' time, you know, I might put 20,000, 25,000 miles on it a year in our area, and everybody's going to be different, right? Everybody mm-hmm. has to calculate this in a different way. Because in New England, uh, the bodies rot off them before the running gear. You could ever think about wearing out the running gear. So we're in a different climate than they are down in the southeast or the, the, the Midwest or the southwest or, tech, you know, Texas area down in the Gulf. Um, it, it's, it's a different application. Sure. But you have to look at the length of time that this asset's going to serve you and when you're going to have to replace it. So if I used a 10-year replacement plan as far as how I'm going to replace those hard assets, eight years, 10 years, summer, seven, whatever they are. So that's what you have to look at. The latest Bell & Gossip podcast series on Solving Water features manufacturers, reps, and xylem experts discussing industry trends at the 2020 AHR Expo. Get all 10 episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And then when when it comes to depreciation schedules, you know, I saw in your presentation, you, you talked about residual value. And what's the importance of residual value and how can contractors maximize the residual value of their assets? Um, by taking care of it, uh, by washing it, keeping it clean, um, not bending it all up, and uh, you know, by repairing it and maintaining it really well, changing the oils and greasing when it needs to be greased. Uh, you know, these big assets, especially on the drilling rig side, that if you don't take care of that piece of equipment, that could mean that whoever you're trying to sell it to, whether it's a dealer or whether it's a private sale, they're gonna to have to put real money into it in order to put back into shape all of those things that you should have been taking care of right along. And as a, as a rig owner, I want 
people to come and look at my equipment and say they want my equipment because I've taken care of it. And that has real value to it when you get ready to do a trade or, or sell one somewhere. Plus, it gives you some peace of mind if you're selling it outright that you've taken good care of it. Sure. What do you think is kind of the best practice for how long maybe you should own a rig or <clears throat> trade or sell or fix it? You know, I don't know kind of, you know, what has your experience been on that and maybe some tips you could give to some of our listeners on that? Ideally, I'd like to turn one over when the last payment is made and before it goes off warranty. I'd love to be able to do that. But in the real world, I'm not convinced that we can, right, over time. So there's a reasonable market out there. With If you get into the hours of, you know, six, seven-year ownership, you're still shy of rebuilds and still hopefully shy of major repairs, those kind of things. So, you know, once you get beyond that, then you run the risk of changing engines and compressors and hydraulic pumps and gearboxes and all that. So your liability for having to keep it around longer goes up. So I would I, I would choose somewhere in that myself personally in that five to seven year range is a good time to turn a machine over, and then have another new one ready to go. Keeps your efficiencies up, your productions up, and your people really like to. My driller really likes to open the door on a new truck. Yeah, who doesn't? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about the, the rig as being obviously the most important or critical asset. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about investment strategies when we're, <clears throat> when we're looking at assets. Um, when you say investment strategies, can you give an overview of, of some of the options or, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about repair, replacement. You can go in a little more detail for us. Well, we've got some markets out there, a market that actually has evolved uh, since Tier 4 emissions came around, and that's the complete rebuild market. They were doing some complete rebuilds before, uh, but now it's much more commonplace to have a three or $400,000 asset and send it back for a complete rebuild and put another two to 400000 back into it. And because it's something you know. It's a good piece of equipment. You've liked it. It served you well. You've taken good care of it. Now I'm going to rebuild the major components, and I'm going to put a little lipstick on it. I'm going to throw a paint job on it, and I'm going to make it all look pretty, and then I'm going to take it back out, and, and I'm going to run it again with it. You kind of know that you know, you got this equity already built in this piece of equipment. So that is another option that's been taken advantage of uh, considerably here in the last three to five years. And what is the life cycle roughly on a rebuild versus uh, I hear typical rebuilds you know eight to twelve thousand hours I mean certainly there are people out there I see it all the time on Facebook right sure. I member of a, a well driller's site and you know we can see engines going up into the 15 and 20,000 hour mark but I typically will use somewhere in that 10 to 12,000 hours before, and at that point, we're going to have to start throwing some money at it and rebuild some of the major components. Okay, so then in addition to rebuild, looks like you can replace, you can trade, repair. Like, when do you know when it's time to replace an asset versus just repair it? I think it's when you can't get to the work that needs to be done out there and you look at your variable costs and they've skyrocketed in the labor department and your repairs and maintenance have become something where you cringe when you have to write the checks for it all the time. It's like, I'm just, I can never catch this thing, right? I'm always fixing 
a hose or two. I got hoses that are blowing. I've got to now. I got to rebuild the power head, or I got to rebuild the rotary table, or now I've got to go in and put a new suspension underneath the truck, or something like that. You start getting into that stuff, and if you know, if you do it yourself and you you do it in house, there's a lot of really talented people out there that can do all of this. I can do that stuff. I choose not to do that stuff because I think if you put too much money back into a piece of equipment, you don't ever really see the value out the other side of it. Your assets aren't growing, your equity in your company's not growing, and your efficiencies really aren't getting any better. Okay. And then just ongoing maintenance, just conducting maintenance in-house, um, looks like there's some advantages to that, but then also some disadvantages. Can you just go over that? with? Well, the ongoing maintenance, I mean, you really, you got to grease them and you got to change the oil and you got to change the filters and you got to make sure the air filters are clean. I mean, there's, there's just really is some ongoing maintenance that has to be done to them. And most guys do a really good job at that, at that piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, stuff wears out. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the piper. <laughs> so then, you know, does it ever make sense to do a complete rebuild like a comprehensive rebuild on these things and if so like what are some things to keep in mind well if i had if i had a piece of equipment that was good and clean and straight that i had maintained and it needed major components like engine air compressor uh, radiators those kind of things you know fresh paint job and i was i was going to run it for another three to five years see time is where it is if I take a three hundred thousand dollar asset and I put three hundred thousand more in it, I'm at six hundred thousand. And the asset's not worth six hundred thousand now. <laughs> so you're only you're gonna get you're gonna get a percentage of that back. So really if you're gonna rebuild it, you put it back out, you put it to work so it generates revenue to pay for the rebuild. But at the end of the at the end of that period of time, I may argue that you probably don't have an asset that's worth as much as it was before you rebuilt it. So you may not have gone forward unless you've got other areas where you need this to generate revenue to be able to offset some other depreciation schedules on the other side of the balance sheet. Right? So this may be a vehicle for generating revenue to help you to grow in another area. So there's, there's so many things and it's such a personal decision right? that I can, I can talk about my decisions and how I view things and the way that I operate. And there are other people that operate very, very well with a little bit of a different look at it and a different schedule of, of, of these items we've talked about too. Yeah. So it's a very personal decision, but if you're not in control of your finances, you can't make any of them. <laughs> So it's a little bit art mixed with science here, or math in this case. <laughs> it is. It is. I don't want to back back out of the conversation, but, you know, it, it really is. It's a very personal deal. You know, mm-hmm. What you do, how you do it within your company, there's so many influences, right? The market influences you. Government influences you. Financing influences a decision. If you're, you know, if you're paying 10% to finance a drill versus 3% or 4% to finance a drill, and your competitors, what's my market? What's the availability of my market? I mean, there's all of those inputs that you'll consider in order to make a good decision for your company. And we're in this 
to make a living and we're in this to build equity over time within our companies. So as long as you're building equity in your company over time, you're going the right way and who's to judge which way that is. Sure. And so this might be taking a little bit of a step back, but you know, we've talked about the opportunity to rebuild. When do you know like when it's time to then either trade for trade your used equipment for newer used equipment or just replace it with brand new equipment? Is there are there some like is there a magic Probably equation app- there? <clears throat> Probably application and technology drive that decision as much as anything. Okay. Um, we we went from the deck engine market into uh, truck driven on the newest drill that we bought. That was a f- change from tier three interim technology on the deck engine diesels to tier four technology uh, on a truck engine driven drill. Uh, we were always deck engine and I sort of went kicking and screaming into the <laughs> truck engine market. <clears throat> I'm not sure I regret it. Uh, it's a lot nicer to run. Uh, standing on the back of the back of the rig, it's quieter back there. But I meet the emissions. I have something that's current and new, um, very efficient, lighter, and I threatened to take it out on Sundays just to drive it around because it's got a lot of horsepower and it's a really nice truck. So it's got the best seat in any vehicle I've ever bought. Great. Anything else about asset management, whether it's the rig or other pieces of equipment that you think are really critical to business as well? I just think that you have to take a very comprehensive look at it. It has to be pretty well detailed and so you can look at the real life cycle costs you're dealing with and make sure that you are generating enough revenue to be able to maintain those assets and hopefully grow those assets over time. So it's just a very comprehensive look at what you do. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe.